Well, the title of my sermon this morning is The Priesthood of All Believers. The Priesthood of All Believers. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. You can follow me. I'll be reading out of the ESV. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May God add his blessing to his word. Please bow your heads in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God that you have given us to live by and to save us. And Lord, we know that we need your Holy Spirit to truly understand it. So I pray that you would speak to our hearts today and open up our minds to your truths that are here in your word. And be with me, Lord. Uh, Even though I may not be speaking like I do normally, use me as a vessel, an instrument for your glory and honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Some Reformation scholars would contend that the three of the biggest ideas that come out of the Reformation were... Sola Scriptura, the sole authority of Scripture. Justification by faith alone. In fact, that's Martin Luther's, you live or stand by justification by faith alone. And the third one is called the priesthood of all believers. And of the three, the priesthood of all believers is probably the least well-known and most neglected. Even back then, and even today I would contend. And this morning, in light of the passage that we just read, I would like to explore this idea of the priesthood of all believers, specifically looking at those terms, holy priesthood and royal priesthood. In his address to the nobility of the German nation in 1520, Martin Luther criticized the traditional distinction that was made between the temporal and spiritual orders, in other words, the laity and the clergy. He argued that those who belong to Christ Jesus through faith, through baptism, and the gospel shared in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. A little background may be in order here. For the Roman Catholic Church at that time, grace and forgiveness were received through the sacramental system of the church. And some of you that are Catholic background know that. Therefore, everyone was dependent on a priest, right? You received your baptism, your confirmation, Your forgiveness, your penance, the Lord's Supper, marriage, holy orders, and the last rites, all through a priest. And also at the time of the Reformation, and we saw this in Sunday school class, I think it was last week, the people were very dependent upon the priest, what, for the word of God, because, number one, it was in Latin, 
There weren't any Bibles out around, right? And oh, by the way, they weren't even allowed to read it. There was a Council of Valencia in 1229 A.D. that placed the Bible on the index of forbidden books. Think about that. It was forbidden for the, the commoner, the public, you know, to read the Bible. It had to only be in the hands of the, the priests. Okay. And so this church construct that had morphed over time over the Middle Ages created this idea of spiritual haves and have-nots in the church. The first class members of the church were the clergy, right? The monks, the priests, the nuns. Everyone else was considered less. And if you think about it, it would seem to make sense. Why? Because those people were giving up their entire lives to follow the calling, right? And if you were to peruse the Roman Catholic Church saints list, kind of like the football hall of fame of Christendom, you would notice that most members in there are either clergy or they're related to one of the clergy members. Like I think of St. Augustine, his mother's in there because she prayed diligently for his salvation and she is in the, the hall of fame in the list of saints. But as Martin Luther and the other reformers began to read the scriptures, they saw what the Bible had to say about the priesthood and the role of believers in the church. There was no special class of believers. Yes, there were offices, right? We, we believe in the offices at the time of apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, preacher. We believe in elders, deacons, and many other gifted people within the church, but all are priests. And that's what the passage today clearly states in First Peter. And you see such terms as chosen race, living stone, spiritual house, holy priesthood, royal priesthood, people of his own possession, and cornerstone referring to Jesus Christ himself. Many of these terms, in fact all of these terms, come from Old Testament references. Peter is showing a continuation of the true Israel and Christ, representing them as one people of God. And he refers back to Isaiah 28.6 in regards to laying in Zion a stone that points to Jesus Christ. And upon that cornerstone, Jesus Christ, it says what? We are living stones and are being built upon him to do what? That we might offer spiritual sacrifices to God. And interestingly, this whole idea of the priesthood we see early on in the Bible, in the Old Testament, even before the Levitical priesthood was established. You know, Levi was the tribe where the priests came from, Aaron. But even before they were established, listen to this in Exodus 19, 4 through 6. This is really before they, the, all the laws were stepped. It says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me, listen to this, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation before the Levitical priesthood. Now let's fast forward to the end of the book, the Bible, Revelation chapter 1. Paul, John, the Apostle John is writing to the churches. And notice what he says here, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So this idea of a priesthood of a people 
is something that we see in the old and it's continued on in the new. And we are called as God's chosen people, as his saints set apart to be priests. And he makes us priests and he is the one that gives us, it's a privilege to be a priest. We don't choose to become priests like Martin Luther chose to become a monk. We are called to be priests because we are born again to a living hope in Jesus Christ. It says that in 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, when you look at the idea of the priesthood in the Old Testament and the New, you see these uh, commonalities. First, priests are chosen. They're elected. Levi's tribe was the priest's. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it's his church, his elect. In fact, Peter, 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, calls us elect exiles. He used that word elect, chosen. Secondly, they were cleansed. You had to be made pure, right? You had to be cleansed. If you're going to enter into the service of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Almighty God, we are sinful and we needed to be cleansed. And the way we were cleansed in the Old Testament, how were they cleansed? The blood of animals, right? In the New Testament, we're cleansed what? By Christ's blood. In fact, 1 Peter 1-2 talks about us being sprinkled with his blood. Okay? So we're chosen, we're cleansed, and then we're clothed. We're, we're set apart. We're sanctified. And I'm going to talk a little bit later more about this idea of clothing ourselves. And then we're anointed or equipped for ministry. God calls us to be priests, but he gives us the equipping, the anointing, the power, the ability to carry out what he has called you and I to do. The Levitical priesthood kind of served as a picture or a type of the coming ministry of Jesus Christ. It was a picture that was no longer needed once Christ was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. When that thick temple veil that covered the doorway of the Holy of Holies was torn in two by God at the time of Christ's death, God was indicating that the Old Testament priesthood was no longer necessary. Now people could come directly to God through the great high priest, Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, they were dependent upon, they had to bring the sacrifices to the priest who would then offer them unto God. If they were to get the word, they had to go directly to the priest who would then go to God. Now, Christ is our high priest sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. There are now no earthly mediators required between God and man as existed in the Old Testament priesthood. You see, the Roman church had reinserted mediators between God and man through the sacramental system, through the priests. And the reformers saw that this view had developed over time in the church was not supported by scripture. If you were in Sunday school class today, Sean hit that heavily, you know. We have scripture. The scripture is the highest authority. Church tradition and church councils fall under scripture. Well, at that time, they would put them, equate them the same, right? The reformers, and we believe, all authority starts with God's word. Everything must be subject to that authority. I know there was a lot of background in history, but I think it's important to understand how this idea of the priesthood got lost through the Middle Ages. And unfortunately, I think it's not well understood or embraced today, especially in our culture. Have you ever thought of yourself as a priest? 
What comes to your mind when you think of a priest? Well, I grew up in a small western Pennsylvania town. It was a steel town. Steelers. Yeah, Steelers. It was very multi-ethnic. And uh, we had a lot of various European groups uh, that lived in our community. And we had various Catholic churches. Three blocks from my house was uh, St. Mary's, which was the, uh, the Catholic church for the Italians. And then down just two blocks was Holy Trinity, which was the Catholic Church of the Polish. And so I, was, I grew up, some of my friends were Catholic, and so you would see priests walking around town, or, you know, we'd play basketball against their school, and the priests would show up to the games. And so my idea was to get right the black with a little white collar. Maybe that's in your mind as a priest. Or you think of, uh, you know, in the Old Testament with their garb that they wore. So... What do you think of when you think of priest? Well, let's look at today's passage to better understand what a, the priesthood means. Number one, we need to recognize that we are priests because of the work of Christ in us. And it is a privilege to be a priest. He calls and he equips us for this work. We are holy priesthood, set apart, sanctified, And we are royal priesthoods. Why are we royal? Well, we serve what? The king of kings. The king of the universe. And we we are part of his royal priesthood serving. We are in the king's court serving Jesus Christ. So our foundation is Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. We must never forget that. All right? And as Peter had said, he called us as priests out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you see, Paul used very similar language in in, uh, Colossians when he says that Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Notice in the Bible, you know, it's easy sometimes to become legalistic and say, I got to do A, B, C, D, and E, right, if I'm going to be a good Christian. We like, we, we like lists, and we think we need to follow the list. But everywhere from the Old Testament and the New, before God tells us what to do, he tells us what? What he has done for us. And you see that in the book of 1 Peter. He starts it off. You have been born again to a living hope. You have been set apart. So he doesn't get in and say, you need to do these things, and I'll accept you into the priesthood. He does the work. He's the initiator. All right? We always got to keep that. We love why? Because he first loved us. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. None who seek after God. He had to change us and cause us to be born again so that we could see our need for him. Another point, priests don't operate in isolation. That's why they use the word priesthood, right? Uh, And again, notice all the language that Peter uses that he borrows from the Old Testament. He describes us as a church. We are a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We are God's people. God has always been about a people. And you see this from the Old Testament going through the New Testament. And, you know, sometimes we miss that in our culture in America where everything is about the individual, right? We sort of prescribe to this radical individualism in our country. You know, it's me, 
against the world, or I can do whatever I want to achieve, and, and I'm just an individual, and I have my individual rights. And, and sometimes we can pull off and sing, well, I can have my faith, you know, I'm just going to read my Bible and get alone and pray to God. And The Bible is about a family, it's about a group, it's about a nation, it's about a church. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. Even he had Tonto, right? We try to be lone rangers and we're not. We are a holy nation. You want to talk about nationalism? A lot of debate now, right, in the news about nationalism. Whether it's good, whether it's bad. And I'm sure you have an opinion on it. I have my opinion on it as a nation. I'm sure many of you or some of you are a little anxious about this upcoming election. I've talked to some of you. I know you are. In the direction of our country. And I understand that. But if your ultimate hope is in this nation, the America, you may be in a rude awakening when changes happen right before your eyes. Remember that kingdoms and empires and nations rise and fall. But only God's holy nation will endure until eternity. We must put our ultimate hope in Christ and his kingdom because we are citizens in heaven. We get in this challenge where we try to link government and policy and things here with the Bible and with Christianity. And we want to create a Christian nation. Well, I believe we as Christians are to go out and inform the nation and be salt and be light. But the end is not a Christianized United States or any other country for that matter. It's the kingdom of God. It's the holy nation that he's talking about here. Got to be careful. I could have went down a rabbit trail there and be there for quite a while. That's another sermon. Maybe we'll do that another time. So we've talked about the privilege we see about being a priest. He makes us priests. Let's now shift a little bit. Now we'll talk about what we're supposed to do. What is the responsibility of being a priest? Well, what did Peter say priests do? Priests offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now in the Old Testament they offered up what? Animals, right? Grain sacrifice. They had various sacrifices. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifice. Well, what is that? That just sounds kind of ethereal or out there. What is a spiritual sacrifice? Well, where do you go to find out? You go into Scripture. Very familiar verse, a lot of you know, Romans 12.1. Listen to these words, you're going to see some of the same language. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's the word sacrifice. Now this is holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. There's the word spiritual. You know what the problem is with the living sacrifice, right? You can walk off the altar. Those dead animals had no choice. And we have to offer ourselves up, our bodies, our lives, to serve Christ. challenge we have in this country, I think, is we, we see things in life of the secular and the spiritual, right? There's a life for Sunday and a life for the other six days. And unfortunately, many in America have bought into this idea and they separate the two. And our culture is very much pushing this idea, you know, that uh, the sacred, the church, should not be able to impinge on the secular. Well, we don't believe that. We don't believe. We take our priesthood, our Christianity, to inform the secular and to influence the secular as 
the best we can. That's where Jesus said, go be light, go be salt, okay? But this whole sacred secular argument has muddied the waters and caused many Christians to be bipolar, you know? We think, of, okay, I, I just do my things on Sunday, go to church, and I work, do the rest of the week, and I'll come back to get, you know, to a gas station to get refilled and refreshed. But no, we are a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood. And this gets to the idea of Jesus taking us, telling us what? Take up our cross daily and follow him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. The cross represents dying to ourselves and living for Christ and others on a daily basis. It's not a one-time event. We come each day to the Lord consecrating ourselves to him. Every day when we wake up, we need to put on our priestly garb. And begin our priestly duties. Now, I was in the Air Force for 27 years. And every day, I would get up. And what did I have to do? I had to put on a uniform. Right? When I first started, and I know some of you guys are even older than me. You know, they had these olive green fatigues. And blues. And then they, the uniforms changed. And we had BDUs and ABUs. But why did I put on a uniform? Many of you served, or, you're in, or you work in vocations where you put on a uniform. The uniform was put on what? To distinguish yourselves from everybody else. I mean, why don't I just show up to the Air Force, you know, in my jeans and a, some flip-flops and a t-shirt? Because we're saying when I put on the uniform, I'm following a calling, a higher calling. I'm in the United States Air Force. I'm in the United States Marine Corps. Did that for you, Greg. Hoorah. Uh, and it's to distinguish and say that, you know, this is who I am. Well, we don't have, you know, physical wear to say we're priestly, or priestly garb. But what we do each day, we need to consciously think that I'm getting up and I'm ready not only to go do my work in the Air Force or the Army or in civil service or wherever you go. I'm here to live out my Christian faith and wear the station in life where God has placed me, the vocation that he has called me to do. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. A royal priest lives for the glory of the king. Now there are nuances and challenges we have to work out. That doesn't mean you go to your, your on base at Eglin with your Air Force uniform and start, you know, put up a little block there and start repent and believe in the gospel. Well, we can't do that. We know. But when you go, what can you do? You can be honest. You can treat people well. You can look for opportunities when people are in need. If it allows a place where you could do a Bible study someday, you, you do you maybe do a Bible study. You you minister to people. You're aware. That's what being a priest is. Luther insisted that these seemingly secular estates or vocations that God has ordained for human life are precisely the places where Christians are to live out their faith. In fact, quote, quoting him, he says, A miller's maid, a miller was someone they, the grain back then, a miller's maid, if she believes, does more good, accomplishes more, and I would trust her more if she only takes the sack from the donkey than all the priests and monks do if they sing themselves to death day and night and tormented themselves until they bleed. See the sarcasm in his voice? But his point is, is that wherever you are, that station in life, you serve God. You are a priest. 
That's whether you're taking care of your children, you're folding the laundry, you're washing your car, you're doing your, you know, cutting your grass, you're meeting with people at work, you're, wherever you go, wherever God has you, we, we need to be aware that we are priests. Well, what else does Scripture say about spiritual sacrifice? Let me put just a little bit more of a meat on the bones, okay? In Hebrews 13, verses 15 through 16, it says, Through him, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So a holy priest is a praising priest. Note the word continually. Praising and giving thanks to God daily, both in the good times and in the bad. We need to stop sometime to just take time to give thanks to God for what he's done. Usually they go together, right? When, things are, you, you, when we stop and really see how God has been so good to us and thank him, we want to praise but what we tend to do is get so focused on the negative, the things that are going wrong, all the bad stuff, and we forget about <clears throat> the good things. We need to be a praising people. Part of our daily routine. Now the second part of that verse, it says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We are to do good to our neighbor. A royal priest is a liberal giver, giving of time, talent, money to those that are in need. When you bring your tithes and your offerings to the Lord, you're offering up spiritual sacrifices. When you help those that are in need, you're offering up sacrifices that are pleasing to the Lord. Listen to Paul when he writes to the church in Philippi. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So Paul's thanking them for their gift. He's saying that is a sacrifice, and that pleases the Lord. So there's a vertical and a horizontal aspect to being a priest. We worship, we sacrifice, we praise and honor vertically to God, and we love and we give and we help our neighbor. Again, listen to Luther. Just as our neighbor is in need and lacks that in which we abound, so we were in need before God and lacked his mercy. Hence, as our Heavenly Father has in Christ freely come to our aid, we also ought to freely help our neighbor through our body and its works. And each one should become, as it were, a Christ to the other, that we may be Christ to one another. Because we are representatives, right, of Christ. As a priest, we are his representatives. What else does Peter say a royal priesthood does? It says he proclaims the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That word excellency is also translated praises or virtues or moral goodness. We are to proclaim the preeminence of Christ over all things. He is the image of the invisible God. It says in him all things hold together. In him all the fullness of God dwells. We are to proclaim this to each other. And we're to proclaim this to the na- our neighbors and to those who are lost. This is the gospel. As priests, we are to declare the gospel. And you don't have to be a full-time pastor, missionary, or evangelist. You are to call to bring God's truth and light to those you come in contact with. Fathers, proclaim the gospel to your children. 
That's doing priestly duty. Mothers, same way. Speak truth into each of, our, each of your lives. But recognize you won't go unimpeded in declaring God's truth, his moral excellence. The swords have been drawn, are drawn, and will be drawn against God's truth until that final day that Christ comes back to consummate his kingdom and vanquish all evil. And we are living now in a time in our culture where Christian truth is no longer enjoying that broad cultural consensus that it once did. We might hear the term Christian capital, that the society, not everybody was Christians, but that idea, the ideas of Christianity resonated throughout our culture. Well, that's changing radically. It's being upended, especially in regards to human sexuality. And by the way, there's nothing new here. Peter and Paul dealt extensively with immorality in their day. The Roman Empire was going through severe deterioration and degradation due to immorality and materialism. You could see some very big similarities between them and our country today. So Peter is emphatic in his epistle that we are to be pure, not conformed to the passions of our former excellence in chapter 1. He tells the scattered believers to abstain from the passions of the flesh in chapter 2, verses 1, not to live in sensuality in chapter 4, verse 3. So as priests, we are not only to declare God's excellencies, his moral excellence, but we are to live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is only through the Holy Spirit power that we can live this kind of life. To the word, we are to proclaim the word. This was one of the great achievements of the Reformation. The word of God was made available and taught and preached to everyone. And it was got, finally got in the hands of everyone. In summary, a spiritual sacrifice includes offering the person, that's us, a living sacrifice, our praise, our performance, our acts of obedience and service, our pocketbook, which is our giving. See, I'm staying, I'm doing it for, in honor of Joe. Joe, you watching today? He's up in the mountains watching. I'm using all the peas here. And then finally, our proclamation, declaring God's truth, the gospel. So let me ask you this morning, do you have your priestly garb on? When you leave today and go home, are you going to take it off and go back to a different station in life? Or are you going to recognize, like we all need to recognize, because he has called us out of darkness into his light, that we are called to be priests. You know, Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice. He was stripped of his clothes so that we might wear his clothing. That's why Paul says that you might be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When he was stripped that day on the cross, his clothes taken away from it, it was for you and I so that we can now clothe ourselves in the priestly clothing that he gives us. So we must remember we are holy and royal priests because of what Christ has done for us. Now we need to go and live like it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful work that you have done in our lives, calling us out of darkness into your glorious light and making us a holy priesthood for your service for to you and to others. 
Lord, please help us. We recognize that, Lord, many times we don't want to put on that priestly garb or we forget about it. I pray that you would remind us gently each day that we are here to serve you. And remind us, Lord, of the gospel that we need to hear that motivates and inspires us to live out this life. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here or listening that has, does not know you, Lord, and they're wanting to be a priest, that you would cause them, Lord, as your word said, to be born again to living hope, that you would change their hearts, that they might know and see you. Lord, again, we thank you for your, for your, for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord. And we thank you because of what you've done. Now we can live for you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.